With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And yes, indeed, welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. It is 11 o'clock in Phoenix, Arizona, 1 o'clock on the East Coast, and... 10 o'clock on the west, and uh, we trust that everybody's having a good day so far. I don't think there's too much weather beating up too many people, so uh, that's a good sign. I know we're looking for about 78 degrees here in Phoenix. Oh, I wasn't going to say that to anybody because I've been told that we have enough people in Phoenix as it is, so we don't want to attract too many people. I'm uh, I'm just joking on that. Come on down. Everybody come down to Phoenix. Bring your money, bring your wallets, and uh, let's make some jobs happen down here, and we're going to be one of the states that comes back strong. Uh, That having been said, my political statement being over, I want to uh, remind everybody that the Boomer and the Babe does more than just this radio show. We also have a website, and we also publish e-books and mini-books. You can go to boomerandthebabe.com see everything else that we're involved in that uh, website is in a state of flux right now there's some new things that we're going to be adding so uh, we want to remind you that uh, come back frequently because uh, we will after all be changing it as we go we also have several other shows we have a show called Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on our network here on Blog Talk Uh, he talks about finances and things financial uh, we also have a show that we did this morning called Straight Down the Middle. It's our golf show. Uh, we had an interesting conversation today with a woman by the name of Nancy Collins who owns, she's the founder and developer of something called Sassy Golf, which is golf for women. You get a chance to listen to that show uh, on this Blog Talk location as well. Please do that, uh, especially if you're a lady or interested in golf and if you're interested in possibly being in the golf business. Uh, Sassy Golf might be something for uh, you to take a look at, and Nancy would be an interesting person to talk to. Uh, I'm Pete Peters. Deborah's not here today. She's under the weather. Uh, she's going to be doing a reading project for our granddaughter tomorrow morning early at her school. Uh, she's going to be reading Dr. Seuss books to the kids, uh, the seventh graders, or the, seven, the seven-year-olds in the second, uh, first and second grades. And uh, she's trying to make sure that she maintains her health to the degree that she's not going to be too contagious tomorrow and that she's going to have a voice because her voice is gone as we speak. Uh, All that having been said, hope you uh, endured my commercialism for the moment. Uh, We want to introduce our guest right now. Our guest's name is Jill Teitelman. Jill is the author of a book called Saving Gracie. 
I think it's a cross between a novel and a memoir. We're going to discuss the, when one becomes the other and clones over uh, to the other. And I just want to welcome her to the show. Jill, welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. Thanks so much. Great to be there. Well, we're glad to have you here, believe me. Uh, if Deborah were here, Jill, she would ask you for your two-minute movie. Uh, by, that, uh, okay. by that, she would mean uh, who and where uh, is Jill Tittleman, Tittleman, and when did she, and where did she come from, and what she been doing prior to being the author of Saving Gracie. So, just a little background on uh, on your history, if you don't mind. Oh, that'd be great. Um, well, let's see. I have been a writer probably ever since I learned how to make a letter. Um, but taught taught writing for many, many years. I was a college writing, creative writing teacher mostly, and I also worked in, in television. I worked in um, public affairs programs and uh, some, did some radio work and would go back and forth to teaching and then decided, okay, this is the time in my life when I, if I am a writer, I better really get my own book out there. I had published a lot of a lot of things, but never my own book. Um, this is a story that's very autobiographical, and it's about a friendship between two mothers in Boston, two older mothers, actually, um, who are very, very different. And they go through all kinds of wonderful and terrible things together, each in their own lives. One of them is married. One of them is sometimes married, sometimes single in the book. And people say that it, it's, it's, it makes them laugh and it makes them cry, but that they end up laughing. So it feels great to finally have my story out there. It's as, as you said, it's called Saving Gracie, and it is quite a bit true. It's uh, it, it is fiction because I've changed some things, but um, most people I think will read it as if everything happened in it. I hope. So that's a little bit about my story. Well, it's uh, I. I... When I get these books from the um, uh, from the publicists and so on, they many of them, and I'm and I'm sure you know that yours, Meryl Moss, uh, uh, sends along a, a one-page bio almost or a synopsis, uh, and and it's interesting that uh, we can jump right into this. I guess uh, the headline on this uh, page that they sent me is. Sex and the Single Baby Boomer. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it says, uh, you're over 50, you're single, and you're still searching for Mr. Right. Uh, is it safe to say that that is the crux of this book? Well, you know, the book is is an earlier version of my life. The book it takes place when the, the main character, whose name is Ruth, not Jill, but Ruth, uh, is just about to turn 40. And I'm older than that now, and a lot has happened. And but um, so my life now, I would say, it, it's uh, there. I, at some points in the book, I'm dating. Actually, some points in the book, I have a partner, and I'm about to have a baby with that partner. That I, I should say, Ruth hasn't married. Um, then along comes someone else that she she separates from him, and then she has a an, a, a late in life marriage, and then an even later in life divorce. Myself. For myself, that is true, and um, so. The, but the dating, you know, ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road, the dating rules change, and and everything is so different now. Uh, dating now, 
so, um, you know, for instance, it, the way the two people meet in the book, she actually meets the husband through a person, but it's a personal ad in a magazine. Well, you know, no one no one does that anymore. It's you, have, you used to have to write a letter to somebody and put a stamp on it and say, I read your ad in the magazine. Would you like to correspond with me? <laughs> or, you know, or you would give them your, your phone number. It seems like prehistory, doesn't it? Oh, that's that's the <laughs> that's when that's when guys were walking around with a club, beat the woman over the head with a club, and drag them off to the cave by the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> or women doing the same. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So so I mean, you know yeah. you're older, you're you're you've had you know some experiences in between. Um, you maybe get more and more sure of what you want, and you maybe get more and more sure you won't get it. Because it be, it does become harder as you get older. It, it it seems like in our twenties, in my twenties, it was uh, all I had to do was sort of leave my apartment and I would meet somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't happen so much to women over fifty and over sixty. So or men. Well, do you think it, do you think it was uh, for a woman of your age currently? Do you think it was different today for a woman of your age than it was? Back when you were 20, there were women of your age. Do you think women of your age that were single at that time were facing the same thing then that you might be facing now? Oh no, I think it was so, you know I think it was so completely different. I mean, by the time I mean I'm over 60, and I, I will tell you that I won't tell you how much older, but I will tell you I'm, I've hit 60, and you're nice enough not to ask. And um, it's. It's completely different. I mean, women of that age, and they were either already divorced or widows, which a lot of women are today, of course. But, you know, the idea of still hoping to have a romance after your kids have grown and gone off on their own for a woman of that generation to have a romance, I think, it, of course, it happened. But you get a lot of these family stories. There was always one crazy uncle or one crazy aunt who was still dating, you know, but everyone would consider them kind of eccentric or weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people... Just I had I had an aunt like that as a matter of fact. You did. <laughs> I did. I'm so serious. what happened to her? Maybe you should tell me. Oh no, well I'm no, I'm, I'm very serious. I mean, she was she was uh, my my grandmother's uh, uh, sister, actually my mother's aunt, and she was single and traveling and dating men and whatever after oh my. after her husband had died. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And she never remarried. Uh, she lived to be a ripe old age, and she I think died of. Uh, as best I can tell, a, a, a happy woman. Wow! So, uh, and I, that's I mean, when you mentioned that, it just all all brought it back to me in a flash. But yeah, I'll be darned. That was yeah. That, that, that's Aunt Ingrid. <laughs> she was ahead of her time. <laughs> she was. She was absolutely ahead of her time. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, I, I think that um, those of us who are you know, not single. I mean, those of us who are single, you know, by choice, because, I mean, you can always find somebody. Um, I mean, if I wanted to be just with somebody or married or, you know, even have a steady boyfriend, I could probably, you know, have one. But it's you You could make that happen. Yeah. But you I mean, there are there are a lot of men out there. I don't think I think there are lots and lots of men. But I think that and for men, there are lots of women, too. Of course, probably, you know, everyone says there are more men. More women than for men than there are men for women. I, I mean, those are the statistics. But I really think that um, if you if you if you if you'd rather be by yourself and live a great life by yourself than be with somebody else and have your life diminished too much, then 
why would you do it? Right, right. Why wouldn't you want to live what life to your fullest potential? And it's a compromise. It's a compromise either way. Um, you know, life isn't perfect. Sure, right. wish it were. Oh, that it, it make life interesting. It would make life <laughs> uh, make life easier, but it certainly would be uh, less interesting. Uh, yeah, you know what? What you know the old story about that's what makes the world go round. You know, um, I think if I think if you know kids kids that are in their twenties today and thinking about getting married, I think I think a lot of them kind of have seen their parents divorce and maybe more than once and have a lot of uh, you know changes in their lives because of different partners. And I think a lot of these kids I know, including my son, they they really are more focused. I think they think, okay, this is important. I'm going to find the right person. It may take me a while, but I'm not going to just jump into this. But I'm, I definitely want to have be in a relationship because it's a it's for a large part it's a, a nicer way to live if you're taking care of somebody and they're taking care of you. It's it's nice. It's very nice. Well, but, it is. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I I think that it's it's just a it's so hard to make that decision. But I think it. It kind of makes itself. You don't really make it. It's kind of what happens to you in life, right? Some people just happen to go from relationship to relationship. And some people really, I'm one of those people. I've had many, I'm old enough to have had many, and still have spent a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big gaps between between relationships, for instance. Well, it's possible. And, it's possible that you could be married to somebody, be living with them, and still be alone. Well, that's... Isn't that worse, so, though? Well, well, I'm I'm suggesting it may well be, but uh, you know, yeah. the, fact, the fact is that uh, you can still be alone, even though you're married. You can still be very much alone. And, oh and, yeah. And that's uh, so. Either are, are you better off being married and alone, or are you better just living by yourself and having it whatever you, having it the way you want to have it? Yeah, yeah. Well, then there's I guess a lot of you know relationships outside of marriages too that happen judging from the personal ads that i read there are you know so many people that are very very candid many 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 about i'm married but i need some fun yeah i mean it's just out there it's just absolutely you know amazing to me well why don't you just get divorced you know what is it what is it that you're what is it that's so but but again you know it's that's their lives i don't know i mean i i wouldn't judge anybody I wouldn't want to be involved with anybody like that. On the other hand, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, every, I wouldn't. You know, each, I, I just wouldn't own. want to do that. Hmm? To, each, to each his or her own. Yeah. You yep. know, and, and yeah. as long as I'm not involved in that kind of a tryst, you know, it's fine. <laughs> fine with me. I don't care what you're doing. Well, you, you know, probably just, know men who are. You um, probably talk to them on the golf course about it. I have. Men He's not going to admit it, of course, but you no, probably I, do. No, no, no. I have, I have. Or women, men. or women. I have known men and women that I, I hear or, stories. Have, or have been. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I hear a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, I taught. Well, I, I taught I, writing for. Hmm? I taught I, writing for a lot of years, and and women. Uh, I taught. I taught at a women's college actually in in wow. Boston. Uh, Simmons College and had a lot of older women students who came back to get degrees and oh my goodness they had from all over the world and they you know they had so many so many stories about different versions of marriage um, it's it's pretty fascinating 
Well, and you you can just look around. You can see there's all kinds of interpretation of the word marriage, uh, <laughs> and, and how and how people yeah. uh, and how people live in a in a marriage. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. What what percentage? I mean, do you know what percentage of your listeners are actually single? You know, I don't have that information. I've there's a lot you have of a guess? there's a lot of demi- oh shoot I um. I really, I really. Well, we'll have to figure that out another time. Yeah, we we will. I mean, I've I've asked, uh, I've tried to get some of that demographic information from the people that keep the stats at Blog Talk. Uh huh. I do uh, think there are different different Don't you think there are different interests? I think for, you know, people who are single are they kind of have an opposite life of people who are, are you know in couples because when you're single you. You know, you, you often have your career and your work and your your Monday to Friday kind of figured out. But when it comes to vaca- taking vacations and weekends and even evenings, company, um, it, it seems like people who are settled down with someone, you know, pretty much need their time to kind of chill out and be together, just in a you know at home doing whatever they do, just relaxing and um, being depressed together. No, oh, I hope decom- not. Decom- decompress. Oh, decompress. <laughs> I thought you said being compressed. Being depressed. No, decompressing. No. Oh yeah. yeah. And and giving time to each other. Relationships take time. Sure. Sure. Um. So you know, I think singles. It's just such a different thing. I mean, you you know you 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 can't just assume. I mean, I go to movies by myself all the time. I do all sorts of things by myself, and I have many many friends to do things with. But you know, nonetheless. Those birthdays and Valentine's days and all these things keep piling up, and it, when you're when you're coupled up, they're just you automatically have plans. You know you have a date for your birthday mm-hmm. when you have a partner, and if you don't have right. a partner, you don't know that you have a date we, for your birthday. We did a show not that long ago with a woman who <clears throat> travels the world, and she is single, and she goes all over the world, and she has all these. Tremendous adventures that she undertakes. Some of them she's working uh, as a volunteer in uh, outer Slobobia, uh helping build a village or whatever the case might be. And she's doing it as a single woman, and she mm-hmm. she travels to France as a single woman, and she she goes mountain climbing as a single woman, and and she is living a life that is unbelievable. And she claimed. To not not have any desire whatsoever to be with a man or married, uh, not that it's a uh, uh, not that she's uh, living a, uh, a homosexual lifestyle or anything. And she just she just likes doing her thing because it's all hers, and she knows doggone good and well that she can do whatever she wants whenever she damn well pleases. Yeah, and, well, that's and, one of the yeah. I can relate to that. I mean, that's one of the perks is no one's going to tell you. You just do whatever you want all the time. If you want to, you know, have a certain kind of music playing that somebody else doesn't like, too bad. They're not there, and you can do it. Uh, she related the story that there were several people that are good friends, of very good friends of hers, and they have traveled in the past together, and that she wanted to have this. She found this adventure package or whatever it was, and she wanted to go, and she said, wouldn't it be great? Let's all go. And they said, no, I really don't want to. No, I don't care for it. She says, well, okay, uh, I'm leaving on whatever date. And she went off by herself. She said, I wasn't going to let them 
uh, hold me back from doing something that I want to do. She said, was it scary? She says, I was absolutely scared when I looked over that abyss and I said, i got to climb down there. Uh, you know, <laughs> but she said uh, it was exhilarating, it was fun, and she has no regrets well, whatsoever. Some, I've done a lot of traveling by myself, and um, you meet so many interesting people when you're by yourself. You you just do because you have to. You you know, there you are, and you, you really need to ask other people where especially if you hear someone speaking English, if it's in another country. And mm-hmm. you, you end up with these wonderful encounters with people that you go off and you share a taxi somewhere to do something or you have a meal. Um, and the people that you meet traveling who are alone are, are often you know, very obviously self-sufficient, really interesting people who have a lot to share, a lot of amazing stories particularly. I was in, I was in Asia last spring for five weeks by myself. And um, yeah, I was. There were were a few times when I was uh, pretty scared. I was lost somewhere, and I didn't speak a word of. I was in Laos. I didn't speak any Laotian. And some guy came. I was really scared. It was getting dark, and some guy came by on a motorcycle. Young, a very young guy, like a teenager, and he saw me there. And he said, you know, I told him where I was going, and he thought he knew where it was. And he said, well, let me give you a ride on my motorcycle. And I honestly. I thought, well, I might as well take this because the, uh, if I'm going to stand out in this dark street here with nobody around, that could be just as bad. And he took me where he thought I was supposed to be going, and of course it was the wrong place. But <laughs> <laughs> so then I had to find my way back from there. But at least I got, you know, it, it, I closer to civilization, so I took a risk. Sure. So well, you know, it's you know, but it's all risks, isn't it? Yes. It's a risk to sit home and not not have plan. You know, it's a risk. I have uh, friends and relationships, and to me, you know, they just don't seem to go on vacation or do anything together. And I mm-hmm. think, gosh, what you know, it's nice to be homey and cozy, and it's nice to water the lawn and mow the lawn once you know. It's but gosh, don't you guys want to? You know, and it's always, well, he wants to do this, but I don't really like it, and he doesn't want to do what I want to do, so they end up staying home. And I, just, and I think, well, go by yourself. Come with me. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's fun to, you know, it's nice to have a balance. I mean, the ideal thing would be to have, for me, a very, uh, a relationship with a lot of freedom in it. If you've had total freedom, I don't think you can ever give most of it up. Right. I could give a little bit of it up. The right. the character the character in my book the book is Saving Gracie, and it's um it's gotten you know great reviews and I think a lot of people relate to this book because it's about a woman who always decided that she was going to be independent and never really tried to to become traditional married etc. And then all of a sudden she's almost forty, and she starts to think oh my god you know I'm not going to be able to have a kid I'm not going to be able to do these things that I never really thought that much about. I better hurry up and think about doing them. And then she kind of up, she upheaves her life. She changes her life completely and does have a child, then ends up single again and goes through all kinds of stuff. But she she's, she's feisty. You know, she, she learns. She learns from her mistakes, and she becomes, I think, a, a very, a very um, fun character to read about. She's very, very funny. Uh, well, I, I don't mean to get away from being funny because I, I want to hear the I want to hear the funny parts of this book. Believe me, I do. Uh, oh yeah, there's lots of funny parts. <laughs> uh, but but uh, this has been brought to my attention uh, by somebody close to me that has no children of 
uh, of their own. Um, both parents are deceased. Um, has sisters or brothers, and uh, but not not particularly close, but but close. You know what I'm saying? It kind of ambivalent. I guess I'm going to call it ambivalent. Close. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but the question now becomes that as this person is getting older, uh, they have said to me, what happens to me when my husband is gone and there's no one and I am by myself, what happens to me who takes care of me? That's an interesting, although somewhat possibly depressing thought. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to be facing that alone, whatever that yeah, well. might be, whatever that might be. And yeah, uh, and I I don't know does uh, does a character in your book uh, ever have any of that kind of thoughts in the book? She, you know, she she's uh, she has a young child. Uh, through most of the book, and she is friends with a with a couple. The, the Gracie in the book is her best friend. This woman who becomes her best friend, and she's happily married. And she has a wonderful marriage, wonderful family. She met her husband when she was fourteen. And and the other character, Ruth, that's Gracie. And the other character, Ruth, has you know never settled down. She's lived in Europe. She's she's done many many interesting things. She's had boyfriends here, there, everywhere. She's never picked that path. And then. Uh, Lo and behold, what happens to to the married sort of settled down person is all kinds of really terrible tragedies strike her family. And first she gets sick, and then she gets better, and then her husband gets sick, and then her husband dies, and all sorts of things happen. And I don't want to tell you what happens in the end, but um, this woman's husband dies. She's she's about fifty, and she's been with him literally since she was a teenager. Uh, and and she's she's faced with that. I mean, the, the great tragedy of of you know being that young, having young kids, and having to deal with it. So, it's uh, I have a friend who lost her husband. She had a husband who was about five or ten years younger than she was, and he died very young. He died in his in his early fifties of, of a terrible disease. And uh, so you you know you don't. I mean, all of us are ultimately alone. Really, we have to deal with ourselves and our difficulties and figure out solutions. I mean, no one can really take care of anybody else entirely. And maybe they're not going to be around. So it's, um, I I mean, I just believe in trying as hard as you can to stay as useful as you can. I mean, you know, for me, yoga is extremely important. Um, I I was telling someone the other day, I, I had this crazy time this winter. I fell I fell down my my cellar stairs once because I forgot to turn the light on and I slipped, landed on my back, and I thought I've really done something bad. And then I moved around a little bit, and then all of a sudden I got up and I thought, my God, I I practically bounced. I didn't nothing, no bruises, nothing. And then I fell on the ice the following week. I was walking somewhere with my suitcase, and I hit some black ice there on the sidewalk. And both times, and I you know I just got up. I was okay, and I thought, boy, if I didn't do all this agonizing stretching yoga class um i probably would have hurt myself badly mm-hmm. so you know you obviously i you know i still could fall and hurt myself badly but so could anyone sure sure 
Well, that, so. there, there's, there's a certain element of what will be will be uh, as as we're going through life, either single or married or attached or unattached. Yeah, I mean, it's true, and it's people are doing different things now. You know, boomers are forming communities, living in the same brownstone building, uh, different apartments, having somebody help with food. I mean, there are lots of. I think this this generation of People, particularly Americans, I think we, you know, we're kind of not going to settle for less than perfect, and we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think not too many of us really want to end up in a convalescent home, right? So, right. or even even a retirement community or an assisted living community. Uh, it it always seems sad that you're sort of locked into one generation in those places. I think people need to be living with other generations. Well, the, the multi-generational thing I think is very important because it keeps everybody uh, vibrant, and mm-hmm. those that are those those that aren't the vibrant ones are the inquisitive ones, uh, you know, and the, they will develop their vibrancy as they age. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a it, it's a pretty um, a, a pretty interesting way of of doing things uh, if you can have an integrated arrangement like that. Uh, I know here in uh, in this area we have a uh, an organization that uh, takes care of uh, seniors, uh, daycare uh, arrangement for seniors that are in need of that kind of uh, an assistance. And what the interaction is is with a preschool. Uh, oh, I love hearing about group. this. That they mm. they get together every day and uh, and they play games and they read. Oh, it's so wonderful. And they whatever and it's the elderly and the and the very young, the preschoolers. And it's mm-hmm. it's a big, big hit. I mean it's Isn't it, that great? Really, yeah, it really is. It really mm. is. That really does sound great. Great for yes. the kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Especially if they don't have grandparents near them. I mean, you know, I mean there's that whole right. grandparenting uh-huh. and I've gotten to know this in the last the last seven years, this this grandparenting thing, and believe me, when the time comes that your son has <laughs> children, uh, this grandparenting thing is really cool. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Really, well, this is one is of the really you know. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm so jealous. And and but you know, I had my son when I was, you know, practically forty. Ah. So um, actually, I was over forty, in fact. And um, you know, this is one of the perils of this because who knows if he waits as long as i did forget it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hopefully he'll whoever his girlfriend is or his wife is at the time you know she'll say we have to move this along (laughs) yeah yeah. at least so i can have that experience but you know who knows you can't can't control what your kids do that's that's very true that's very very true uh i was very fortunate i mean my daughter met a wonderful guy and they they were married for full i guess three or four years they traveled they traveled europe together they did all kinds of things like that they came and uh, settled and decided that they had met their their goals that they had planned for themselves and they wanted to start a child start a family so they had the and it's it's to tell the, to tell their story is, I mean I've never been that organized a day in my life. <laughs> and they're planning everything from when they have their first baby to name it. They've probably got it written down somewhere in some sort of <laughs> some sort of a plan. Um, but they get a lot of things accomplished. I tell you that. 
Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit. Let's get back to the topic of your book. We're having a great conversation here, and I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, my gosh, our time is disappearing. I want to get more into this book. Uh, you mentioned, uh, of course, that it is um, uh, a, a novel, but it's basically about you. Uh, it, is. What, it is. At, at, at what point does the novel become the memoir or the memoir Say I don't want to write the memoir. I want to make it a novel. And how does that? What is that decision process, or does it just kind of evolve? You know, I, I wish I could answer that question. I can't even tell you how it happened because I started out. I am mostly a memoir writer. That's what I like is the truth and reality. And I started writing it that way. And then all of a sudden. I wanted to have a little more fun. I wanted to make it a little more entertaining. I wanted to cheat a little bit. I wanted to – I know I know you've had the experience, all of us have. You go into, a, a say, a crowded room or a party, and you just had something happen to you. Well, as soon as you're telling the story, you're, you're, you're exaggerating. You just are. You're making the person – if the person was fat, you're making them obese. If the person was – mean, you're making them even meaner than they were, you're you're sort of heightening the whole thing. And that's what it was like. It was like sort of taking a photograph and then taking some pretty colors, you know, black and white photograph and then deciding, oh, I think I want to have I want to have her have red hair instead of just, you know, mousy brown hair. I want to have them go to uh the Caribbean for a vacation instead of just a weekend, you know, outside of their outside of their town. Um I I put in there's a there's a a romantic scene in the book. I won't tell you which one it is, but it never happened. Uh, it was an unlikely it, it, tryst, an unlikely evening with two characters that actually had had the baby together and had been fighting for many, many years since they had the baby together and separated, weren't married. And then somehow their their, their son, uh, the, the mother takes the son on a ski trip and the son uh, breaks his breaks his arm and the parents are both in the emergency room with the child and the child's okay and they're both so relieved they bring him back together and then and then bam there they are you know on the living room floor <laughs> after this very very uh uh warlike relationship for so many years just sort of ironic now that didn't happen but i thought wouldn't it be fun if that happened and it could have so that was i had great fun with that mm-hmm. well it's 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 like you're um, you're not you're not telling lies, but you certainly are embellishing the truth. You're telling lies. <laughs> Let's oh, put it out there. <laughs> I mean, if you're saying that two people ended up in a, in a romantic you know love scene, and it, it never happened that way. Well, then you're telling a, a lie, right? That's, that's another story. I mean, but that, that could have, maybe it was wishful thinking. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, nobody really, nobody really minds, really. Well, and, and that's right. Nobody Hopefully. really minds. Nobody. Well, nobody really cares because they don't know. Right. You know, they they don't know if it's true or not. It's like dealing right. with Congress. You can't. You can never know whether they're lying or not. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Second, it's always second. fun to have people guess what you know. Yeah. Have people guess what happened, what was true, and what wasn't true. Exactly. It's always fun, and no one knows but me. Some of the stuff. I mean, obviously, the people in my life know some things that I'm cheating. You know, that I'm changing. But but I, I'm the only one that really knows. <laughs> as as you were writing this book, uh, and you were putting this uh, uh, this down in your on your computer, and you're going along. I mean, can you? Um, would you write? Do you write? And all of a sudden, you're getting 
uh, you're you're really into it, and, and the words come faster, and things happen quicker, and you can't get it down fast enough before before you lose that. Uh, that's the, that, that's what that you hope moment. for. Yeah, that's what and, you. That's the greatest. That's the greatest. Then you're having the greatest day. It's usually the greatest twenty minutes that you're having, mm-hmm, but it's a great mm-hmm. twenty minutes when it happens. You have to do an awful lot of sitting around and, you know, bleeding as they say, bleeding, bleeding, bleeding ink until you know. But that does happen sometimes. That's kind sure. of the payoff, I guess. That's sure. like hitting a home run or, or whatever. Yeah, uh, well, I can't, I'm not good with baseball metaphors, but well, it's in in golf we call it being in the zone. In the zone, yes. In the yes. zone. I mean, when, that's right. When you yes. when you you walk up to the ball, you see the shot, you take your club, you make the shot. The shot's perfect, just what you imagined, and you move yep. to the next one. And there could be all kinds of things going on around you, but you're it's like a tunnel vision. You're in that yeah. zone, and, yeah. uh, and that, that's that's what it's like uh, uh, on the golf course, anyhow. And and I, when I've done a, a little bit of writing, it, I know my writing comes in spurts. I mean, I was starting to write something. I said, I want to write a book about. Mm-hmm. just the other day and I started doing some things and I started making notes and I got a couple of word uh, I got a, in a word document I got about four pages of, of notes and just mm-hmm. random thoughts That's wonderful. And, and trying to put it together and then I, I went back to it again uh, a couple of days later and I said I looked at that and I said what the hell was I thinking and <laughs> Oh, don't do that to yourself. I'm sure there's something well, in there. No, 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 no. I'm sure there is. I know there is. Yeah. But I'm saying, how am I gonna, how am I gonna organize this? Because I got to get back to some semblance of that, to be able to pull myself, pull what I was doing out of it, and and put it in a sequential uh, situation where it makes mm. it makes any kind of sense at all. Because I mean, it was so random. It was just, well, I got to put this in. Oh, I got to put that in. Well, that doesn't come before that. It goes after that. It goes. I don't care. Put it on the paper. And that's kind of the way I do it. I just put it on the paper, and then hopefully I think I that's the most important thing is getting it all down. Yeah. And then later on, you deal with it. Yeah, it's like it shooting a film. You know, they leave nine tenths of the film on the cutting room floor. You just mm-hmm. shoot a lot of footage. Just shoot mm-hmm. this, shoot this, shoot this, and then, okay, maybe the person can come into the room. Right, right. And then, well, you know. Well, we do that when we go out and we we do interviews. We do video interviews for businesses as part of some of the offshoots of what we do. And and we'll go in and we'll shoot. I'll shoot B roll. It'll be all over the guy's store or his office and people working. Mm-hmm. And that and the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it ends up being a three minute piece, and I might have fifteen minutes worth of just B roll mm-hmm. on the film. And then we got to go through that and find the appropriate stuff to use. And hopefully you got mm-hmm. it. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. it's on there somewhere. So. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. It, it, there's a lot of lot of that that goes on in writing a book. A lot of it goes on in filming. Uh, the only place that doesn't go on is when we're live on the radio, because everything we say gets. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. This, this is it. I'm, what were you writing about? I'm so I'm a, you know I'm a writing teacher. So as soon as you say to me you were writing something, I have to know what it was about. Oh, I was I was putting together something about uh, uh, putting golf tournaments together. Uh, oh. As a guide, as a guide for uh, uh, successful golf tournaments, or what has to be, uh, what you have to consider when you're thinking about it, thinking about a golf tournament, uh-huh. and, uh, and it was uh, from whether you want it to be a very bottom line, very basic golf tournament, or whether you want it to be a high end golf tournament, a fancy club. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. For big dollar charities, or just for uh, your Rotary Club type of a thing. So it's uh, oh, that's that's great. That's you know you have a passion for golf, so your passion will show. 
Well, I I do. I I enjoy it. I wish I could play it more. But um, <laughs> back back to the book. Um, okay, Saving uh, Gracie by Jill Titelman. It's available yeah, on still, Amazon. Uh, we're and, still saving Gracie. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, ebook, paperback. Did, <laughs> there you go. All the above. All all the above forms. Let me ask you this: Does Gracie get saved? Oh my goodness! You asked the hardest question. <laughs> you asked the hardest question. Well, if I if I tell you the truth, um, I'll never know. <laughs> if I don't tell you the truth, you, well, you could know. You could know by reading it. Um, let's just say that in some ways she does get saved, and in some ways she doesn't. Let's just sure. say that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but one That's way fair. she gets saved is because uh, is because I wrote a book about her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she is saved that way, which is another way to think that, about what, it. One of the one of the interviews uh, questions that I always hear when people are talking about the book, and especially when they're talking about a book that has some um, uh, some autobiographical or memoir uh, uh, portions to it, or some of it is written that way. Uh, the question is, well, was it cathartic? <laughs> Did you did you I, did you free yourself of demons or whatever else you may have been carrying around? I think yes. I I think that it, I can answer absolutely. There is you know for I mean most people in my experience, maybe because I'm a writer and I talk to a lot of people who want to know about writing, but most people I talk to do want to write a book or have written a book or have written many books, and I think that. Um, getting something down that's your own truth about something about the world or, or painting it or making a piece of furniture that expresses, you know, who you are is is it's cathartic and it's very empowering. It it's a wonderful thing to be able to say this is me, this is my book, this is the cover, this is this is how I wanted it to look, this is what I wanted to say, these are the people I wanted to thank in the book. You know, you you have this wonderful place where you acknowledge people in your life that have helped you. And I think all of that, the, the the process of writing it, the story that you write, how much meaning it has to you, um, and then just just the fact that you're actually getting it all together and actually doing it because it's it takes a, you know a huge amount of work to do it, mm-hmm. um, to do it well anyway. I mean, people are throwing up these e-books overnight. Some people are writing 17 books a month. Just you know, I'm going to write a book about blah blah blah. I'm not talking about those kind of books. Um, I'm talking about books that you want people to think about and talk about after they've read it, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the, uh, the other great things. Is also cathartic because I actually had a, I had an, I have an aunt, I have a great aunt who's in her, she's 97 now, and she read it and and she said to me, I mean she knew that it was not entirely me, but she knew it was pretty pretty much me, and she's my father's sister, and she said I never understood you before I read this book. And I looked at her, you know, I said, really? What did you mean? And she, I mean, she always saw the story from my father's point of view. My father and I didn't get along. And and this book kind of explains the, how difficult the relationship was and why. And she, I finally had a, I finally had my turn, you know. I finally had, mm-hmm. unfortunately, my father wasn't around to defend himself anymore. But, I mean, it's, I wrote about him with love. But she said she never thought about what it was like for me to have that kind of father. She adored him. He was her brother. He was a wonderful, wonderful guy. But, you know, he wasn't always such a great father. And that was that was hugely cathartic to have to have my aunt say that. 
It felt like saying, why didn't you know all that when I was a kid? Why didn't you defend me a little bit, you know? But sooner or later, we get understanding. Isn't there somebody that wrote a book, and the name of the book was My Turn? My Turn, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I don't. It's not coming to mind. Not coming Um, to me either. No. It might be a column title as well. Maybe. Um, Yes, it is. That's a good title. Somebody could reuse it. Yeah. Um, yes, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look that up right away. Yeah. As, sort of as like, we can do now. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's <laughs> kind of like the headstone that says, see, I told you I was sick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's my turn. <laughs> well, I'm getting needed. Right. It's my turn. <laughs> right. Um, right. So in, in, the process, in the process of writing this book, uh, did you have any – Major periods. I mean, I, th- I think any time anybody writes, you have a period of, and we discussed this briefly, uh, a, 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 for lack of a better word, writer's block, uh, a place where it's just not coming to you as readily as you had hoped, or you don't want to force it, but you've got to have, get it sit away. I, I liken it to uh, that uh, Arlo Guthrie song, sitting around waiting, waiting it for it to come around on the guitar again, you know? When he's got, got the guitar licks going on, and the guitar uh, uh, solo he says, "Just uh, waiting for it to come around on the guitar again. It'll be along shortly." Uh, I'm still <laughs> waiting. You know, I mean, did you have any of those kind of? Uh, you know, I think I think that that one of the hard things about writing is it's so delicate, the process somehow, and if you show it to the wrong person too soon, while you're still forming it. Uh, if somebody just even makes a funny expression after they read it, that can throw you off for weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to protect it. You have to only show early things to just people you really trust. Uh, whenever I taught writing, it was always, you know, we're going to read these these essays by students or these stories and say what we like about them, say what's good. Don't say, oh, you didn't do this or your spelling is wrong. or um, That can have a huge effect on someone, any, any artist, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's if it were easy to do, it wouldn't. It, this book took me ten years to do. So, I mean, I wasn't writing every day of the whole ten years for sure. There were years where I put it away because um, I tried to get it published a while back and it didn't happen. So, and then I got really disgusted with it. And then I thought, it took me a while to say, well, wait a minute, maybe it's not that. Maybe I need to work on it some more. So then I got back to it. Um, you need help, you need readers, you need friends, you need a lot of support, but you have to be very careful who you talk to and who you tell and um you know you it's it can be very destructive, very very destructive to have somebody say just even one negative word prematurely. Deborah has a couple of things that she says and and uh, one of them is has to do with uh letting people know what you've got going on uh prematurely too soon. And it's don't mm-hmm. don't spill your popcorn in the lobby. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah. is one of them, and the, and the, and the, and the other and the other one is is the old standby. You know, keep your light. Uh, you know, go. Sometimes it's best to keep your light under a bushel basket. Uh, <laughs> so you know, because because you don't want you don't want people to know exactly what you're going on. They you can you can tease them with a little bit of light coming through the cracks in the basket, but you don't want to uncover that old doggone thing because. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not it's it's not it's not ready for uh ready for prime time yet. Mm-hmm. But I particularly mm-hmm. like the one about 
don't spill your popcorn in the lobby because I'm the kind of guy who says, hey, I'm doing this and that and that and whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden they say, what happened to your deal? I said, oh, well, I always <laughs> And that's, 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 that's worse than. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, that's an important skill to know who to say what to and when. Exactly. Um, you know, the writing process is it's, it's very difficult, very, very difficult. If it were easy, I mean, there are, I think it's, what is it, three how many, three million books published a year, or is it more than that? I think it's something oh, like that. Now it may um, be more when you consider all the e-books. And, uh, all yeah, the I don't even think that's yeah. including all the e-books, exactly. And uh, so, you know, a lot of people manage to do it, but um, a lot of those people could have probably done something better if they had gotten some – you need criticism. You need editors. You You can't do it alone. You absolutely have to have editors that you trust who have to set you straight and say – I don't want to read three sentences in a row that say, say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so you do need you do need editors. Absolutely, um, find somebody that you really trust who's going to tell you who's not who's going to be encouraging, but but also be very smart. You need that perspective. You need somebody else's uh, eyes on on anything that you do. I think pretty much because you just you're just one person. But at the same time, you absolutely can't. Uh, Listen to anybody that you, you you have to you have your own vision too. So you, it's it's a it's a tricky process. You have to know when to listen, when not to listen, when to insist that you're you're going to do it this way anyway because you just have to. Um, it's it's like anything else that you do that's creative. I mean, if you're painting colors in your house and somebody comes over and says, "I don't like that color," you know, it's too bad. You're the one who's living in the house. That's right. Don't yeah. So, don't come visit me. Uh, <laughs> don't come visit me if you don't like the color. Right. Exactly. Well, I, it's like I whenever I'm writing something, and I don't write that much, but I'm I'm starting to write more, uh, and uh, and I and, and even if, even if it's a somewhat detailed email that I'm writing to somebody about something that we or a proposal of some sort, uh, I'll write it. I'll edit it. I'll run it through spell check and whatever. And then I'll give it to Deborah, and I'll say, "Here, fix it." Uh-huh. I, always t- I always tell her, "Fix it. Just make oh, sure. Oh boy. That, just make sure that it still sounds like me." Yeah. Right. Uh, she has yeah. this. She has this innate capability because she's working with several authors, and she has this innate capability to speak in their voice. Mm-hmm. And so when she starts editing, she is editing in their voice mm. because she has talked to them at length almost mm-hmm. ad nauseum with mm-hmm. regard to the flow of what they're trying to accomplish in the book, what their overall structures and beliefs are with regard to what they're writing and so mm-hmm. on. So, and she can be on an, she can be on the phone with for 2 hours, two and a half, three yeah. hours with somebody talking mm-hmm. this uh, talking about this project. And mm-hmm. when she's done, she's got almost a legal, uh, almost a legal pad full of notes, and she will go through those notes and she will decipher them. And when she turns it around and she gives it back to them with whatever the adjustments are, she goes, "Holy Toledo, it's me! You made it sound like it is me. I know that's me. That's exactly what I was thinking." She said, "How did they said? How did you do that?" She says, "I heard what you said." I heard what you said, and that's her secret. 
So when mm. I say to when I say to her after living with her for twenty five years now, I say, "Here, make it sound like me. Fix it and make it sound like me." Well, you're a lucky person. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. And I readily admit it. Yeah. What What else do we need to know? We're we, We're coming down to the short rows, as they say in the farm country. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, well, what else, what else do we need to know about about the book itself and about the story? What else do we need to know that? Well, we the story is is really. I mean, I could the the sort of themes in the story are mother motherhood. Certainly, there are fathers in the book too. It's a little bit more about being a mom than a father, but it's certainly it's certainly got fathers in it. It's about um, the choices that we make in our lives. It's about how to be funny when life gets tough. Uh, these characters are handed some pretty lousy options, and uh, certainly health-wise. And when everything else is, when when the world is really dark, I mean, pretty much all you're left with is your sense of humor. Sometimes you can't even have that. But if you have any way of getting through coping, and getting perspective, and getting through the day, getting through the hour, whatever it is, it's got to be humor. You're sitting in the hospital waiting room, and and you you know you have to find something to laugh about. You look at the stupid, the ugly wallpaper that they've picked, or the the funny expression on somebody's face, or or the, the, this is a lot of medical stuff in this book because the characters get sick and they they deal with uh, cancer and they deal with hospitals and crazy doctors and doctors doctors arguing over what to do when you hear a bunch of surgeons arguing, saying not agreeing with each other, but what what ought to be done. It's not so much fun sitting there watching them, hearing your surgeons argue. You have no confidence whatsoever. So what can you do? You can just, uh, you know, find a way to laugh about it. You can't really figure out what surgery to do on yourself. I don't think anybody could. Um, And so I think it's really about that. I think it's about laughing, you know, finding ways to be funny and finding ways to find meaning and... It's about friendship. It's about uh, mortality. It's got it's got marriages. It's got late dating. There's a, a period in Ruth's life where she's she's now got a young child, but she's left his father, and her friend encourages her to start looking. At that point, it was in the newspaper um, at personal ads, and um, so there's all kinds of crazy experiences that she has doing that. You know, even in her. At that point, she's in her late 40s, actually. And then she does meet someone, and then she does actually end up marrying him. And her parents are thrilled because she's never been married. She 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 gets married at, I think, 51 years old. Her parents are, you know, finally getting to have the party they've always wanted, invite all their friends. And then about two years later, she has to tell them, I'm getting divorced. Hmm. Uh, telling your parents about the divorce. You know, in her case, it was the hardest thing about the divorce was telling her parents that she had to get divorced. Sure. So it's it's got a lot of um, real life in it, and I think I think that the the dialogue I'm told is drop dead funny. People say that they really do stay up late reading it. They start reading it and they honestly can't put it down. They tell me this. I believe them. I hope I believe them. And um, it's it feels great. I've had some you know really terrific reviews, uh, and it's it's a, it's a great feeling too to put a book out there and have people say they enjoy it so much. It's really wonderful. I encourage everyone to do it. There you go. 
Is there yeah. a sequel? Is there a sequel on the way? Well, there is a sequel. It's, as I said, I'm working on a memoir, which will be the sequel, but it'll be a memoir this time. It won't be fiction. So I don't know if anybody's ever done that before, but I'm going to try to pull that off, have a sequel that's real. And uh, who knows, the next one, the one after that may be fiction. I don't know. Well, but I'm going to try to stick stick to the truth this time around. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. That book is, uh, you know, not ready for prime time yet, but it is about, it's a, really about midlife dating is really what it's about a lot. Right. So right. Um, they, hopefully it'll be funny. They have ways to make you talk and tell the truth, Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear that there's, uh, you don't have to, ma- you don't have to force me to talk. All you have to do is buy my book <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> It's only fourteen dollars, or much cheaper for an ebook. So and they it's easier, it on, easier than torture. And yeah, and they can get it on Amazon and uh, Amazon, you know, and uh, yes, any bookstore oh. can order it. It's it's distributed nationally. It's small press called Freestyle Press, but it's it is on Amazon. There are a couple of other books with the same title, Saving Gracie, and there, there I think there are at least two of them, and they seem to be about people rescuing puppies. Puppies yes, named Gracie. I, Saw that when I looked it up on yeah. Google. So don't yeah. buy the dog book or buy the dog yeah. book if you want, but buy mine too. And um, I probably ought to read those dog books, see what they're like. Yeah, I looked it up. I looked them up on the. I looked it up on the Google machine. Uh huh. The, the Google machine. <laughs> the Google yeah. machine. And there they all were. Yeah. Well, them. people like dogs. I I don't think there's a dog in my book at all. Oh yeah, there might be one dog. I think there is a chapter with a dog. Now that I think about it, yes, there is a dog in the book for you dog lovers. Okay. Have to put the dog yeah. in. That, yeah. Had the perfunctory dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Jill, this has been an absolute pleasure talking with you, and uh, and I thank you for taking an hour out of your day to, to come and visit with me. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. It was lots of fun. Yeah, and I enjoyed it as well. So uh, that that having been said, I think we'll close it off for today. Okay. Let everybody know that the book, again, is called Saving Gracie by Jill Teitelman, and Teitelman is spelled T-E-I-T-E-L-M-A-N, Teitelman. And you can look it up for Saving Gracie. Make sure you get the one not about the dogs. Uh, and the, my Google website it. is, there's a okay. website called saving-gracie.com, and you can read some, I've got some blog things up there and some information about me and about the book. Very good. All great information. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. It was great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jill. Okay. Take care Bye. now. Bye. And that was Ms. Jill Pendleman, author of the book Saving Gracie. Interesting read. Uh, fun read. Uh, takes you on all kinds of a whirlwind of emotions. So uh, we hope that uh, people will pick it up and enjoy reading it. That having been said, we want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, We'll be back again uh, with more conversation and more guests as the week goes on. We hope you'll look us up and join us at that time, blogtalkradio.com forward slash boomer and babe. Love to have you back, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. From their studio. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.